Welcome to The Triple Bottom Line, where we reveal how today's business leaders are reaching a new level of success with a people, planet, profit approach. And here's your host, Taylor Martin. Hello and welcome, everyone. I have Sarah Zellner on today. She is a social impact changemaker who focuses on maximizing companies' efficiencies, leadership, corporate social responsibility by guiding them through the ESG world, helping them with their sustainability strategies, operations, partnerships, and how to communicate it all. I'm so happy to have her on the show today. Sarah, please tell our listeners a little bit more about your background and how you moved into the ESG space. Yeah, well, thank you for having me, Taylor. So my name is Sarah Zellner. I'm the CEO and principal of Linz Consulting LLC. And we're a consulting firm that specializes in assisting companies to create environmental, social, and governance and corporate social responsibility strategy, programs, and communications. I've always been interested in the broader impact that we human beings have in our world. And as a result, I got a PhD in sociology. And I then went on to into management consulting, where I focused on public-private partnerships. Up until that point, I'd simply presumed that a business's sole purpose was to make a profit, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps naively. Mm-hmm. However, uh, working on public-private partnerships reframed my thinking um, to allow me to better understand that the private sector has a role as, um, as social environmental stewards, and that inspired me to found a Lens Consulting. I, I can... Completely agree. Everything you were saying, I was like, yep, yep, checking my boxes. Boom, boom, boom. So let's get into the specifics because there's some listeners out there that may not fully understand ESG. What is ESG and how does it work? Yeah. So as I already referenced, uh, ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. It's a set of standards for a company's operations that socially conscious investors use to screen potential investments. Uh, The environmental criteria consider a company's environmental impact, like climate change, uh, resource use, and pollution. The social criteria examine how a company manages relationships with uh, stakeholders, like their employees, suppliers, customers, um, and their communities. And then finally, governance deals with internal management and a company's transparency around topics like anti-corruption, executive pay, and board composition. Now, for companies uh, to convey their work in ESG to investors and other stakeholders, several international organizations have established standards for companies to use as guidance in their ESG reporting. Uh, They include standards organizations like the Global Reporting Initiative, GRI, and the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosure. Interestingly, there's no one set of ESG criteria that all companies disclose, but some reporting standards do have industry-specific disclosures. Mm. Then there are ESG ratings agencies, and uh, and these agencies take these standards um, or use their own internally developed ESG metrics to evaluate a company's ESG to determine its overall ESG score. Uh, These include firms like Bloomberg, MSCI, and S&P Global. And then investors, in turn, use these reports from the ratings agencies to see how sustainable a company is, um, which allows them to better determine which ones to invest in. So why is ESG important to companies? In today's socially aware business climate, addressing ESG issues is critical to a business's long-term success. 
Many institutional investors now expect the companies they invest in to be proactive about ESG, and this is a major reason for publicly traded companies to incorporate ESG into their business operations and communications. And ESG programs are good for business. Sustainable and impact investing has increased 14-fold since 1995 to $8.7 trillion dollars. That represents about one of every $6 under investment fund management. Uh, And ESG investors typically differ from the average investor. They're more values-based, investing in what's morally important to them. Uh, They also understand that change takes time. Uh, So they're more apt to stick with a company that's committed to improving its ESG. I will add that there are many advantages of integrating ESG into businesses that aren't publicly traded, too. Companies that recognize the importance of ESG and adapt to evolving social and environmental issues can better identify strategic opportunities and distinguish themselves from their competitors. C-suites that take steps like improving labor conditions, enhancing diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI, giving back to their communities, and taking a stand on environmental uh, sustainability strengthens a company's brand too. And from a generational standpoint, millennials and Gen Z employees and consumers, they're more socially conscious and more mindful about linking themselves with companies that are dedicated to ESG. And companies that adopt ESG can benefit from employee and customer recruitment and retention of these generations. Finally, ESG also appeases activists, or at least it can. Activists are concerned, and rightfully so, about social and environmental issues, and they often target companies that don't pledge to improve their social and environmental practices. By investing in ESG, companies can please all of their stakeholders. Yeah, agreed. And ESG has been growing leaps and bounds over the years. I've been sitting here watching it just catch on more and more and more. So that much money under investment is amazing. But it's also, you know, like you said about, um, I see it as people voting with their dollars. You know, if, if you if your brands are performing well and doing ESG quality or UN development goals and give them your money. But if they're not, you don't have to, you can find someone else, find someone else. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's definitely a movement in conscious consumerism. So people being, as you mentioned, just more thoughtful about where they spend their money and whether where they spend their money truly aligns with um, with their own values and their own beliefs. And um, and so I think that trend will just continue going forward. So as um, as generations are just become more aware of um, the environmental issues, in particular, um, climate change that um, that will continue to affect our world. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. You know, um, I, people say that when I say the triple bottom line, they're always like, well, that sounds interesting. What is that? Or they might say, I think I've heard that before. And I'm, I, I always kind of like, whenever I think of it, I always think of, you know, it being coined like in 1996 or something. And and then CSR came into play. And then it, now it's ESG the last 10 years or so. But some people do know what CSR is. Can you tell them the difference between CSR and ESG? Yeah, I can. Uh, so, so going back to ESG, so ESG again is a criteria that investors use to screen companies that they could potentially invest in. Whereas social corporate social responsibility or CSR is the overarching business model where companies work to address the impact that they're having both socially and environmentally. Um, so beyond their core business, companies that practice CSR actively work to improve our society and our world. 
So as for the interaction between the two, you can think of CSR as uh, the overarching strategy that companies use to better society and the, and the environment, uh, while ESG is centered on the measurement and reporting of a company's CSR activities. So that's really the difference between the two. So one's more like a marketing piece and the other one's more like hard numbers. Uh, yes, you could kind of <laughs> think about it that way or think about it more as like the programmatic um, aspects and the execution of um, of what the ESG is doing. But the ESG is really the core um, reporting and measurement that allows the investors then who invest in these companies to be able to, to judge and, um, and determine uh, the validity of um, a company's ESG activities. Yeah, I can't help but try to shrink things down to be like a s incredibly succinct, simple message. So, um, yeah, <laughs> nothing's ever simple. So we, you and I were talking earlier, how does a business create an ESG strategy? What kind of research is necessary for something like that? Yeah. So with uh, an ESG strategy, um, an, ES an ESG strategy should be created to fit a company's industry, um, their mission, their priorities, and any other regulatory compliance that needs to be followed. To develop an ESG strategy, we use a materiality assessment. That's a very jargony term uh, within our field, which is a, a method to identify and prioritize the issues that are most important to an organization. And it's stakeholders around ESG. We identify specific reporting frameworks that will be followed, such as uh, the Global Reporting Initiative that I referenced mm -hmm. earlier, or uh, the United Nations uh, Sustainability Development Goals, among others. And then doing benchmarking to determine what uh, competitors are measuring and monitoring is also helpful to set a baseline for a company's ESG efforts. So basically then, I mean, to, in the materiality assessment, assessment in, in the grand scheme of things to build out and refine the ESG strategy, we identify who the company's stakeholders are and how they should pri be prioritized to inform the ESG strategy. Um, then we gather feedback from them via surveys and interviews about their ideas for uh, the company's ESG priorities. After all this data is analyzed and it's determined where these ESG priorities lie, uh, then we create an ESG roadmap that lays out the company's ambitions and goals. And this roadmap essentially explains the company's ESG rationale, uh, targets, milestone, and basically how to obtain buy-in from stakeholders. And once that ESG strategy is solidified, then the company can begin executing on it. My my mind goes to wonderful, awesome. I love it. Yes, yeah, sign us up. But then I think, how many companies actually do have an ESG strategy as opposed to just kind of like doing their job and then just put, dumping in the numbers and checking the boxes? There are actually a lot of companies that now have ESG strategies. Um, so in in terms of of ESG and its development. Um, Particularly because investors have become so uh, interested in it, um, adoption rates are, to my knowledge, around a thousand companies or more. I mean, we're we're talking a very large percentage, and I, I could be off on that, but percentages could be like around, I don't know, 70, 80 percent of publicly traded companies that have now adopted ESG. I mean, it is really quite high and impressive. So, and and good to see just from a, a social standpoint, an environmental standpoint, that these companies are truly invested in in bettering uh, the environment and bettering their own governance and bettering our society. So um, it's um, it's been an amazing development over the past several years. 
I concur. I, I have been seeing ESG grow so rapidly. I, I've I've really been commending companies to do that. Uh, my only fear is that are we doing enough because of you know the in, impending future we have kind of coming at us here. I want to talk about some people's perspective of ESG. There's a lot of I don't want to say naysayers, but some people have heartburn over ESG not being a one size fits all. Meaning you know. One market reports may not match what another market re- segment reports. How do businesses overcome that? Yeah, yeah, it it is a challenge. Standardization is a challenge in ESG. So, for now, businesses uh, will need to continue to choose uh, which reporting standards they wish to adhere to based on their ESG strategy. Um, however, there has been movement toward uh, the global convergence of standards. Uh, the IFRS Foundation has created the International Sustainability Standards Board, ISSB, as, as uh, the acronym goes, which consolidates several reporting frameworks like um, the Climate Disclosure Standards Board and the Value Reporting Foundation, which also encompasses SASB, um, which many of your listeners may be familiar with. And so all of these will be consolidated. And, uh, and the intent is to put sustainability standards in line with that of financial reporting and accounting. Um, it's really about promoting transparency and consistency in sustainability disclosures in order to better inform decision-making investors and other users um, of financial reporting. So help is on the way for companies looking to streamline their ESG reporting. That's great. When, when do you think some of these uh, new steps are going to come into play? I believe the ISSB is is currently working um, to consolidate all of all of their standards, and hopefully in the next year, uh, in 2023 or two, um, they'll have those out for companies' use. What are some other trends in ESG that businesses should be aware of? Yeah, in addition to the ISSB standards, uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, uh, proposed rules earlier this year surrounding ESG that could provide even more standardization in reporting. First, the SEC has proposed uh, new climate-related disclosure requirements for publicly traded companies. So this past March, uh, the SEC proposed rules that would require publicly traded companies to provide certain climate-related financial data and greenhouse gas emissions information in public disclosure filings like um, the 10K report, proxy statements, and others. Now, companies uh, would have to disclose emissions that they are directly responsible for, as well as the emissions from their supply chain and products. So that's one rule. And then the other, in May, uh, the SEC proposed uh, that ESG-focused funds and firms disclose more specifics around their ESG strategies in materials like fund uh, prospectuses and annual reports to prevent greenwashing. Now, for those of you who don't know what greenwashing is, greenwashing is when a company makes false claims around uh, the ESG characteristics of a product, a service, its operations, or its ESG reporting. So uh, the SEC is uh, soliciting comments on those rules, uh, but companies uh, could expect to see changes as early as next year. That's fantastic. I'm so happy to hear that. I was having this conversation with somebody um, a few days ago about you know, with ESG, you, you have to realize where the the large volume, the heavy lift, if you will, that we've been uh, doing with ESG and the reporting, and people talk about how it's not perfect. It's like, no, it's not perfect, you know. But we're 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 working at it. We're working. We're trying to make it better and better and better. And hearing this just underscores that sediment. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it is a really interesting development and perhaps unsurprising given the popularity of ESG now that the SEC would get involved. Um, and the Federal Trade Commission uh, is already involved um, in uh, greenwashing and prosecuting greenwashing uh, for those companies that, that violate those standards, um, which, is, which is also um, very interesting to see. One other trend I did want to talk about that um, that I think is is really relevant for your listeners is there's a an increasing focus on ESG impact in supply chains. Mm. And now supply chains are particularly important in environmental reporting for ESG, given that up to 90% of an organization's environmental impact lies in the value chain. So it's either upstream in the supply chain or downstream in the product um, use phase, which is an, just an incredible amount. Um, and plus, there are a lot of uh, social and governance factors within supply chains that will move into the spotlight. And and that f- and these um, these statistics, the, uh, this data from the supply chain feeds into the overall data that um, your publicly traded companies provide then in their ESG reporting. So the supply chain plays an integral role in um, in ESG that can't be denied. Yeah, I I, I always think about um, a lot of the larger corporations in the United States that are doing business in China, and you know they have been like even in fashion or technology, they've been moving and moving and moving further away from doing things like that and trying to clean up their supply chain. So, you know, I look at that as progress. You know that 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 is good. That mm-hmm. is that is progress. So I have to ask you from your perspective, because, you know, you sit in this wonderful chair, understanding the ESG world so much better than I do. So I have to ask, if you could wish for three things you'd like to see happen in the ESG space, what would they be? Uh, First off, I'd like to see more action on companies' net zero pledges. So according to the Science-Based Target Initiative, an organization that promotes best practices in reducing greenhouse gas emissions, over a thousand companies globally have set targets to limit uh, any rise in global warming to a maximum of 1.5 degrees Celsius, which is the temperature after which climate change may be irreversible. And to help achieve this, more than half of these companies have committed to reach net zero emissions across their value chain no later than 2050. Now, net zero means achieving a balance between greenhouse gases put into the atmosphere and those taken out. Uh, Unfortunately, those long-term commitments need to be put into action uh, immediately. I mean, according to the UN Environmental Program, um, the greenhouse gas emissions need to be halved over the next eight years to stand any chance of meeting the goal of 1.5 degrees Celsius um, by mid-century. So therefore, there's a a true urgency for companies to accelerate uh, these net zero endeavors. So that's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two is is increasing the emphasis on on the social aspects in ESG. So since the death of George Floyd in in 2020, there's been an emergence of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion Mm -hmm. as a critical part of almost every company's ESG strategy, which is which is good to see. Companies realized that they had to pay more serious attention to the matters of DEI with their employees, customers, and communities. And in addition, um, not only is DEI important for the S in ESG, but the pandemic has also put an emphasis on employee well-being and health and safety um, that extends through the supply chain. And so this is also, um, I feel, a really critical element that companies need to continue to emphasize in their ESG endeavors. And then number three uh, is is really embracing a circular economy. And 
it would just be wonderful for um, for more companies to to really make that their business model. Now, for those of you who don't know what a circular economy is, it's a production and economic model whereby companies reuse and recycle materials, water, and energy involved in the production processes with the goal to find other uses for production waste and byproducts. Um, now, an example of circularity um, would be, say, many paper mills accept paper cups and milk cartons and juice cartons in, um, in the recycled materials that they use to create new products. Now, there are companies um, that manufacture um, sustainable, sustainably produced um, and premium recycled fiber and paper. And these recycled cups then are used to make um, recycled pulp that can then be incorporated into new paper cups. And so uh, companies like Starbucks have been using these types of cups made from recycled materials to demonstrate how this circular process can actually take place. And it's really fantastic to see and just, um, just would be wonderful to see other companies, especially those in the manufacturing and industry, um, industrial industries to, to see them adopt these types of, um, of practices. Well, I tell you what, if I come across a genie in the bottle, man, I'm going to come to you first because I love that. I think those three things are wonderful. The last one, though, that the circular economy, that is something that, you know, it's it's a construct, it's a framework. And I think if not just the executive uh, team gets on board with that, but everybody has to be in board with that. Everybody has to be in that mindset of that circular economy because there's decisions made at every level of the company. And if you kind of bake that into your DNA or your your mission statement, your purpose statement, your values. I mean, dig that into your company and make it part of your company. Then I, I think even the, the, the changes to be more circular will be more effortless because everybody's on board with it. Yeah, you are absolutely correct that the circular economy must be incorporated into all aspects of a company. It, I mean, it's not an easy model to undertake. So certainly um, thinking through how you're going to take back and reuse um, byproducts that you've created is it's not an easy process, but the rewards are just so beneficial that it's definitely worth pursuing, particularly for manufacturers and other types of similar industries. You know, I want to put this full circle here. So what, what um, you know, your company, Lens Consulting, tell us a little bit more about that and your services. So what Lens Consulting offers is a mix of um, strategy and consulting in uh, regards to ESG and CSR for companies. So strategy is one of our main focal points. Uh, we also offer uh, research and uh, white paper development. So oftentimes uh, companies want to highlight uh, the work that they're doing in ESG and CSR. And so we assist in those regards. And then finally, we work on communications and marketing. So certainly um, brochures, and other materials, um, web development or content for web uh, materials for ESG is something else that we do. So those are our three main services that we provide. Yeah, I love that last part about the integrated into companies' marketing materials, because if you don't talk about it, no one's going to know you're doing it. And, you know, you got to put it out there, not just because of people know what you're doing, but people want to know that you're doing this. So I, th I yeah. think that is fantastic. Anytime any company is doing that, I'm always happy to hear that. That's awesome. Yeah. 
It is good to see. It is good to see. And I did want to emphasize too, that we also focus certainly on ESG uh, reporting. So the development of those reports, I mean, that's part of um, the communications that that we provide so that it is important to to highlight for businesses to to basically um, amplify what they're doing in ESG so that their investors, their and other stakeholders know exactly where they stand in ESG. Yeah. Okay. We're going to have to have this conversation again in about a year or so, because I know there's so many things that are going to be changing probably in 2023. And I can't wait for those changes to be in effect and how that's going to affect businesses and, you know, hopefully, you know, better for the planet. How can our listeners um, reach out to you or follow you on any social? Yeah, they can visit my website, which is Linz, that's L-Y-N-Z, consulting.com. I also am on LinkedIn, so uh, your listeners can connect with me there. And finally, uh, they can follow me on Twitter at Saz, S-A-Z underscore Linz, L-Y-N-Z. Excellent. Thank you so much for leveling us up in this area and finally talking and defining ESG so eloquently. Thank you, Sarah. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Over and out, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to The Triple Bottom Line. Your host, Taylor Martin, is founder and chief creative of Design Positive, a strategic branding and accessibility agency. Interested in being interviewed on our podcast? Then visit designpositive.co and fill out our contact form. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we would appreciate a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever provider you're logging in from. This podcast is prepared by Design Positive and is not associated with any other entity. We look forward to having you back for another installment of The Triple Bottom Line.